Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Earnestly, tenderly. He calls us because he loves us. What a beautiful message that is. A message that each of us need to evaluate in our hearts this morning. I'm going to ask Justin, I jumped up here before you. Uh, Justin, come up and read the passage that you would this morning from the book of Acts in the 27th chapter. It speaks to us of that love that Paul shares with the church. Justin? Good morning. I'm going to be reading from Acts uh, 27, 13 through 20. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw the opportunity, so they weighted anchor and they sailed along the shore of Sitters. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeastern swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So they gave up into it and they were driven along. So we passed to the lee of the small island called Caden. We were hardly, they were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the man hosted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Before they were afraid, they were run aground on the sandbars of citrus. They, they lowered the sea anchor and they let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the, the storm that the next day they began the throne they throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storms continued ragging, we finally gave up to all hope to begin saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, we love you and we thank you that we're able to come into your house to learn more about your word, Lord. Lord, I know this church loves you. You've been with us during the past. You're, you're definitely with us during the presence, and you're going to be with us during the future. So, Lord, I just ask you, be with Brother Bob, that if someone doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today they will come and have that blooming relationship with you, Lord, because time is precious with you. We give it all to you. And we love you, for it's in your name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. Okay, now I'm back. Justin, thank you. Thank God for the truth of his word and the message he shares with us. Again, if you have your Bibles open, be sure you're turned open to Acts 27 in your Bible, that you can look and see what it says to you about God's love for us. We had this message, uh, Gary, I don't know where you are, you move around sometimes, uh, but Gary shared with us in our Sunday school class this morning that we were a part of 
I'm sure it was the same message in most of the other classes too, of a message of what it means to understand God's love for us and to see that handed out to us because of the grace and mercy that he affords. We don't deserve it, and yet he still loves us. In spite of all those difficulties and trials that are in our lives, he's there for us to guide us and direct us. So the question is, how do you drift away from Christ? Three points that we're going to look at this morning. The first thing is, take the advice of the world. If you want to drift away from Christ, also go along with the crowd. And if you want to drift away from Christ, go ahead and try to fix your own boat. That's the message that Justin just shared with us in verses 13 through 20 of Acts 27. I hope you heard it. We'll get back to that in just a little bit. But I want you to think about what Paul said. If you were here this morning, you understood this. You probably will have to go back and read for yourself, if you weren't, to understand the message that was there. But in Philippians chapter 3, we see a message that Paul shares with the church in Philippi about what it means for us to trust God. And he begins with this basic message, a simple message. You heard it in Sunday school. You didn't hear this part. This is the preface to what we heard in Sunday school. But Paul said, don't have confidence in the flesh. That's what he told the church in Philippi. You know what? We take that message that Paul says to us when he tells us this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what goes to my head is what does. It goes to my head and makes me think that there's nothing that I can't do. You know what? I found out this last four days. Now, if Tom was here, he would make fun of me. Uh, Tom, <laughs> Fieldhouse at the church office, he would make fun. I've spent the last four days trying to frame one door, all right? I, and I kept thinking the whole way through, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, except when it comes to trying to frame a door. Karen and I, here's, my, here's the boss that was leading me, directing me, telling me, all right, do this, do that. I move one thing, what happens? This corner up here gets me. I'm looking at Rodney right now. He knows what I'm talking about. I put this shim in here, guess what? This doesn't fit over on this side. I try to... Everything I did seemed to go wrong. In our lives, sometimes we find that, don't we? We find that no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, no matter what we try to accomplish on our own, we can't do it. And that's what Paul told the church at Philippi. He said, don't be confident in the flesh because that confidence is going to fail you time and time again. This has just been an example for me of what my failures are. I see them all the time. But then I love the fact that Paul says, no. And I'm, I'm preaching another sermon. I'm preaching Sunday school to you. You haven't figured this out. Do me a favor. If you weren't in Sunday school this past, just, just this past hour, come next Sunday and I won't have to preach that message to you again. Everybody will be here, would have been in Sunday school and would have heard that message and understood it. So we've got Sunday school teachers, raise your hands up this morning. Look around, they're all around you. Look at, find one of those and recognize you need to be in one of those classes if you're not in one of those classes Sunday morning. But what does Paul say? I love it. He says, and so I press on towards the goal. What does that tell you? He says, I haven't reached it yet, but I'm working the best to get to where I'm supposed to be, and I'm trying my hardest to do what God has called me to. That is what Christ calls each of us to recognize in our lives that we're to be about. And that's the message that we see in Acts 27 of what it means for us to understand that the abilities that we think we have, the knowledge that we think is ours, the faith that we have in ourselves and the things around us is almost always destined 
to let us down. That the plans that we have, the directions that we think we're going to go, just don't work out the way we think they should. Where is our faith? Where is our trust? Where is our hope? My faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The message behind that song is the message of what we're to be about in recognizing where our faith is. And there are times in our lives where the, the waves just keep sweeping over us and we don't know what we're going to do and know where we're going to go. The message that we see in this passage, the message I see in this passage, is a message of God's love and of his purpose for us. Please join with me in prayer. Father, again, we thank you this morning for your presence here among us. We thank you for the truth of your word, and we thank you for the message that you share with us throughout your word. For it is your word. Help us to listen to that, but then not only to be hearers of the word, Father, as James tells us, you help us to be doers of the word, to put those words into action in our lives and to do what you've called us to and to live ourselves, live our lives and our hearts to you. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Some of you, I know I do this all the time. I've done this the last six months, and so you'll just have to put up with it for a while longer, maybe. But in 71, spring of 71, I took a two-day solo trip down the Green River. I uh, put in near Sam, uh, Stanley. I don't know if you know where that is, just south of Owensboro. Uh, and that's where I started. Uh, John Prine's song. Carry me back to Muhlenberg County down by the Green River where paradise lies. Well, you're too late. I'm sorry, my son, you're too late in asking. Mr. Peabody's toll train done hauled it away. The Green River is a pretty place. It's a beautiful place. But when I was 19 years old or 18 years old at this point, I began to take this trip. It was about a 25-mile trip down the river. It was a pretty simple thing. I'd put in Sandley. I had a friend take me over. Dave is the one that did it, Karen. Uh, and so you could blame him if I got lost. It was going to be a pretty easy thing to do. The Green River just flows south, doesn't it? I knew I wasn't going upriver. There was no way I was going to do that. So I knew eventually, after that 25-mile trip, I would hit somewhere, I would hit the Ohio River. And when I hit the Ohio River, pretty simple, isn't it? I just turned left and go to Evansville. I was going to be there. Karen was going to be there waiting for me at Dress Plaza. I'm going to throw a name out for you, the Town Motel. That's where she worked. Her dad owned that motel. And she was going to be waiting for me. I was going to pull up and dress plaza. She was going to hug me and kiss me. She was going to say, you stink. You smell bad because you've been out on the river for two days. We would have done all those things. But this is what happened to me. I didn't think about the fact that the Green River was near flood stage when I decided to make this trip. All right? You know what? When you're 18 or 19, you don't think about things like that. It didn't bother me. So I got in my canoe, 14-foot canoe and I began to paddle down the river. I didn't think about all the barge traffic that would be on the Green River as I was traveling down, but there were lots of barges that I was passing. I did think about this. I thought, you know what, when I get to the Ohio, I'll have to be very careful because I'll have to have, now barges not coming behind me or in front of me, I'm going to have barges coming this way and this way and behind me. And so I began, as I made that, my trip down the Ohio River. There was a problem with that. I didn't think about this. There was a big storm that had come in. The winds were blowing about 15 or 20 miles an hour as I began to try to cross the Ohio River in that open canoe. You know what happened to me? 
I found out that I paddled twice and bailed three times to try to get the water out of the canoe. And then something else happened to me. When I finally made it across the river, I was down at the bridges. I had drifted almost two miles. That wasn't my plan. That wasn't what I thought was going to happen. How many of us in this room today have found ourselves drifting? Drifting away from responsibilities that we have? Drifting away from family members? Drifting away from the responsibilities we have at work or at home? We think, I'll get to those things. I'll do those things. I'll do those things later on. I'll get to them at some point in time. But ultimately what happens in my life and I think happens in the lives of many believers who are here today, it's easy for us to drift in our relationship with the Savior. I'll do more prayer time. I'll have more Bible study time. I'll spend more time in worship. I'll spend more time in Bible study here at the church. I'll do all these things when I get the time. You know what? The time never seems to come. And that situation is something that is real in our lives today. In each of us, we see that it's so easy for us to go away from what God has called us to. There's a recognition that needs to be in our lives of what it means for us to do what Christ has called us to do. Paul went through those struggles. We won't go through the whole story of what he's doing, but if you begin back in chapter 23, if you open your Bibles, you'll see where you are. He's before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin says, we're going to send you to to the governor. We're going to send you to the people that are going to take care of you. And we see in Acts 24 where he's taken to the Roman governor, Felix. And they want, you know, think about it, folks. What did they want Felix to do? They wanted Felix to do exactly the same, same thing to Paul that Pontius Pilate did to Jesus. We'll take care of this. We'll handle it this way. But what happens is we see the, I don't know, the back and forth between Felix and Agrippa, and Bernice, and all of a sudden you see that problem. We talked about that last week, and they're having difficulty trying to figure out what to do with Paul. And so what Paul finally does is he says, I want to go to see Caesar. I'm a Roman citizen, so they don't have any choice now. And so what they do is they send him where he asked to go. And that's what brings us to the story that we see now. Uh, the story in Acts 27 is about Paul going from Jerusalem to Rome. Now, Paul observes what's going on in this situation, and he, he tells something. Luke tells us what he's thinking. He says this. Look in Acts 27, verse 9. It tells us something about our lives and, I think, Paul's situation, too. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because now after the feast. And so Paul warned them, men, I can see that your voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo and to our own lives also. What is Paul telling them? You know what's about to happen? He says, it's late in the year, and you're going to get hit by a nor'easter, all right? Thank you, Justin. Justin got that right. This is a Euro cyclone, all right? A cyclone that comes down out of Europe and hits the Mediterranean. It happens during the wintertime. These are storms. I've never been on the Mediterranean. I've never seen the Mediterranean, but I've seen the, I've seen the Great Lakes and the, and the Mediterranean is about the size of some of them. And I've seen those waves going up on, what is it, Castle Rock uh, on Lake Superior. Those waves 25, 30 feet tall. I read about the Edmund Fitzgerald just the other day and what happened with that ship. 
And all of a sudden, I began to think about the time. You know what? There's a time I don't want to be in a canoe out in the middle of the Ohio River. There are times in our lives where we recognize that our frail bodies, our frail lives are in situations and circumstances that we don't know how to handle. And we find ourselves in those places, and we're still in those places. And so what do we do? How do we handle those difficulties? How do we deal with those trials? All Paul does is the same thing that every one of us need to do. Every one of us who is a believer here this morning need to do. And that's the message that we talked about in Sunday school this morning. We have that opportunity to share our personal testimony of what Jesus Christ has done for us. How Jesus Christ has changed our lives. How Jesus Christ is the source of our assurance through difficulty. How Jesus Christ has given us a, a new hope of life, and that life is eternal. And we know that nothing can ever take us from the Savior's hand. Neither life, death, principalities, nothing can separate us from Jesus Christ and his love for us. That is the message of a testimony that will change people's lives. Because we have a world that does not have that hope, does not have that assurance, does not have that rock in their lives. You share your personal testimony with somebody, not to put a pen on a board out here, but to see their lives change forever. And Paul is facing this situation, and he's telling these people, I want you to know this is going to be a bad time for us. You think our world is going through difficult times right now? We don't need to tell people that. People already understand that. So what is it that we need to tell them? We have the answer. And this is it. That I saw the sin in my life. I saw the degradation that was there. I saw all the problems that were there. And I handed them, everyone, to Jesus Christ when he called me. And he said, come, follow me. I'll make you disciples or fishers of men at this point. I'll change your life. I'll change who you are and how you look at people. And in that relationship that we share that faith that is ours. That's what Paul is doing in those verses. That's what Paul is trying to share with them. Some people might think he's a big head, all right? Some people might think he's a know-it-all. Because Paul is not a sailor. Paul is a teacher, and he seeks to share with those that need to be taught about the life and love of a Savior that has loved him dearly. So who do you turn to in the world? Do you turn to the world? Do you look for the world for the answers that you need? Do you try to seek and find in them the hope that is yours? Or do you seek to find those hopes, those answers in the Savior himself? First thing we do is we find... If we're drifting away from Christ, we need to recognize maybe we're looking at, at the advice that we're getting from the world. Look at verse 11. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed up the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Julius was a Roman centurion, and he was not a sailor. He was a Roman soldier, but he was guarding Paul and other prisoners who were going to Rome. He had that one responsibility that was his. But there were other people that he thought knew what was going on. The steersman, the pilot, the person that was going to pilot that boat. What had happened with him? He knew the things that were going on in the world around him. He knew the ports. He knew the way the, the Eurocyclone came down. He knew about nor'easters. He knew about all that stuff. And he would be the person that would be the best person to be in that boat with you when you're going through a problem. 
Maybe it's a good idea to go with the ship owner, too. Do you think he's going to risk everything he has during that difficult time of those storms and trials? The owner of that boat is responsible. There's no insurance. There's no other way to go. You know what? If he loses that boat, he loses everything in it, including his life, because he is there too, and he has made that investment. This morning, when we begin to look for answers from people, people come across with the idea of knowing what they're talking about. Here's the question that you and I have to face in our lives. Do we know what we're talking about when we're talking about the one that has saved us? Do we know what we're talking about when we share with people the hope that Jesus Christ has placed in our lives? Do we understand what we're talking about when we try to help someone else see what that relationship can mean in their lives? Paul did that. Paul understood those things, and he sought to share with those who were troubled by the situation but had no idea of the storms that were ahead. Sometimes we listen to people that we don't need to listen to. Sometimes in our lives that we do things, this is the ultimate thing with my life. I already know a lot of the decisions I make are bad decisions before I even make them. When I was 16, now I'm, think about this. You think I'm stupid at 19. Think about how stupid I was when I was 16. We were, at, we were Karen and I. Karen, Karen, Karen brought this up just last night. She didn't have any idea I was going to use this illustration. We were 16 years old, and we were at Burdett Park, and we were going to the pool. We'd been at the picnic area. Some of you remember how this was. There was a gravel road that went between the picnic area and where the swimming pool was, and there were no water slides and all that other stuff. Uh, it was just a place to go and hang out with girls. That's all I knew, right? And so as we're going, I thought, I don't want to walk, and my friends and I were coming along. There was a friend of ours that came up in a 1963 uh, Chevrolet. And it had that big sloping, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It was an Impala. It had that big sloping trunk. Uh, and there wasn't enough room for everybody to get in the car. I had a great idea. I'll just sit on the trunk. One of my friends told me these words. That the girl, girl, mind you, who was driving this car said, I'm going to get him. And so she began speeding down that gravel road. If you want to see the scars, no, I won't do that to you. They're still there. Here's the problem. For years, I blamed Mary. That's, her name. That's not her name, all right? I blamed Mary. Whose fault was that? My dad explained that to me when I got home. When I had, came home with that knee all bandaged up and all bloody and all that stuff, he said, ask me one question. So did Mary put you on the back of that car? No, sir. Whose problem is this then, Bob? It was my choice. It was my choice to do something I knew was going to get me in trouble. My choice to do something I knew that could be dangerous in my life. My choice to do something I knew was the wrong thing to do. Paul talks to these people. He talks to Julius and he tries to explain to him, this is not a good idea. And so you know good and well that Julius did exactly what Paul the preacher said rather than listening to the pilot and to the owner of the ship. 
In our lives, there's a point at which each, each of us need to realize who we trust. Who do we trust with our lives? Who do we put our faith in? Who do we rely on when difficulties come? Who do you think Paul relied on? He relied on a Savior that met him face to face on that road to Damascus and called him and said, I'm going to provide for you everything that you need. I'm going to protect you against, we talked about this last Sunday, I'm going to protect you against your people, and I'm going to protect you against the, the Gentiles, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to share the good news with people that you wouldn't even have dreamed of sharing that message with. That's what Jesus Christ is working to do in your life and mine right now. I don't know all the people that you work with. I don't know your neighbors. I don't know those people that you see. I don't know all your family members. But you know what? You do, and one other person does. The Savior that is yours. And he puts you in that situation, and he says, here is the opportunity that you have to show and demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ with these people that you love. How are you and I doing that? Don't rely upon the faith and the, the, the nature of the world. How many of you have seen, what, well, I won't even get into that. I was going to talk about weathermen. We won't do that. It's a, it's a low-hanging fruit, all right? It's going to do this. It's going to do that. Nine times out of ten, we see that what they say is going to happen is not necessarily what's going to happen. In my life, there's a call for me. That's all I know. In my life, there's a call for me to trust the Lord with all I have. And to give it to him and say, Lord, help me. Help me understand. Show me the direction I need to take. And I'll follow your way for my life. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the response of the world. If you want to not drift away from the Savior. Secondly, we see what it means in our lives to, to, not, to not drift away. And the way we do that is not going along with the crowd. Look with me at verses 11. Uh, through 12, please. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was un, uh, unsuitable in winter, it was the majority's decision that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix in the winter th and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing the southwest and the northwest. So there was a safe place to go. And so they're leaving where they are to go to this harbor, this safe place. In the United States, we have a saying, right? You hear it, don't hear as much as maybe you used to. But the majority is always right. The majority rules in our lives. I want you to think about that. You remember it's not been that many years ago. Uh, maybe for some of us, maybe it's even right now. Most people thought the world was flat. The majority of people also thought that the earth was the center of the universe and everything revolved around us. And you know what? If you had heart trouble, you know what? In the not, This has been within the last 200 years. You know what the thought was medically to help you with that heart problem? Was to get leeches and put them on you and let them suck your blood out. Is the majority always right? If you, don't, if you don't think that's the case, if you don't want to go, if you, now somebody's got heart uh, issues lined up, don't go to the doctor tomorrow and say, I'd like a good leeching before you do this to see if it works. Don't try that, all right? 
That's not a good idea. You go to where you need to go to and allow the people that understand your heart and nature to help you with that situation. But just because people say this is something that we ought to be doing is not. Think about it. The majority of people say today that abortion is just fine. It's just a source. It's a means of birth control, right? The majority, they say that alcohol is just a social lubricant, an opportunity for you to open up and not feel uncomfortable with yourself. Go ahead, do that. The majority of people today say premarital sex, that's not a problem. Don't need to worry about that. That's old-timey stuff. That's not stuff that's pertinent. It's not pertinent to me today. That's what the majority says. In our lives, we need to realize that the majority is not right. Paul knew the majority was not right, and that is why he talked to Julius. That's why, do you see what Paul's doing? He's doing the same thing he does with Timothy. He's doing the same thing he did with all those that he loved so much. He's trying to tell Julius, this is what you need to do. This is not a good idea. This is the wrong place to go. That is where the world gets the concept that all we think about is what we should not do. There are so many things that my parents told me don't do. And all I can remember of them is thinking, well, you're so old, I don't know how you would have any idea what's germane in my life today. Because they were 40 years older than I was. How do you know what's right for me? And when I think about it, I think, you know what? They went through the same kinds of things that I did. Just a different time frame, just a different location, different circumstances. But the message is real, that Jesus Christ is the same in our relationship with him today, yesterday, and tomorrow. God never changes He's always the same, and he always loves us, and he always seeks to guide us with everything that he has, that you and I would recognize that we're listening to him and following him and not find ourselves following the crowd. Jesus made that abundantly clear in Matthew 7, 13. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. When he tries to explain to people which direction that they're headed and what that message means to understand God's love for them, he says in verse 13 of Matthew 7, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. But only a few find it. This morning is an opportunity for each one of us. And if you're here this morning and don't understand the love of Jesus Christ and don't understand what that message is about, Jesus is telling us. He says it's hard. Jesse Ventura, some of you may be big fans of Jesse Ventura. You know what he said about our faith? He said, it's a crutch for weak people. I tell you what, there's nothing weak about the Paul, Paul I know and read about in the Bible. There's nothing weak about many of the people that I've seen these last six months here at Grace Baptist Church that are going through all kinds of difficulty, through all kinds of trial, and still continue to serve him, praise God, and live their lives and sharing that hope that is theirs in Jesus Christ. You call that weak? I don't. They recognize where their strength lies. They know where their strength lies because it li you know where your strength lies because you know it lies in a Savior who gave his law to you. And that's what we seek to do. 
The majority tells us otherwise, but Christ calls us. And he says, this is not easy. This is going to be difficult. And it is difficult. But the end result is that we are able to share hope with people where there's no hope. We're able to share life with people that are facing ultimate death. That is the separation from God forever. And we're able to share with them the life that has changed ours. A Savior that gave his all to us. We don't follow a teaching. What do we do? We follow a teacher. <sighs> Think about it. We don't put our faith in a popular truth. We follow the truth as Jesus tells us. I am the way. I am the truth. We don't place our hope in a way to God. We place our hope in the way. That's how the people were known. That's how Christians were known originally. Not as Christians, but followers of the way. And there's a call for us to recognize what it means not to go along with the flow, not to go along with the world, not to go along with the things that the world tells us is right, but to place our lives and hope in Jesus Christ and recognize in him that we have the hope of eternal life. Paul recognized that, and he says, Hey, Julius, now let me tell you a different way. Let me tell you something. This is what we ought to be doing. This is what you ought to be doing. One final thing that we can recognize if we're drifting away in that relationship from Jesus is when we try to fix our own ship. Justin shared with us, if you have your Bibles open, look at verse 13. You'll see all the things that these people tried to do, these sailors who knew what they were doing. You'll see all the things that they're starting to do. This is uh, Acts 27, verse 13 through 20. Justin read that to us just a minute ago. You'll see all the things that they started to do, trying to fix the way that they were. The story goes on. They pull the lifeboat in. Uh, they, they try to put ropes under the boat to hold it together. That's a hard thing for us to understand. You realize what they did? If this is the boat right here, they strung a rope. This tells you how flimsy these things are. Ran a rope from over here to over here and tied it and joined it in the middle to keep the boat from doing what? Going like that. They tried to do that. Then what did they do after they'd done all those things? Then they began to throw the cargo over. Whose job do you think that really impacted? That really impacted the ship owner. Well, in fact, the pilot, because he got paid a price that was relevant to the cost of the materials that they were carrying. But the pilot didn't have the investment because it was the owner's ship. And what does he do? He throws everything overboard. It may be this morning you're here and you feel like throwing it all in. It may be that you're having so many difficulties in your life that you don't know what to do and you've tried everything, but everything you tried seems to have failed. I'm here to tell you, don't lose hope. We won't see the rest of this chapter, but you need to read the rest of this chapter and through the end of Acts and you'll see God's provision You'll see God's hand. You'll see God's guidance in the life of Paul and all of those who were with him. And the next thing you know, you see a group as the storm continues to rage who's praying. But what does Paul tell them before they pray? I tell you what, I want you to eat a little bit of something because you're going to need your strength. Because what's going to happen is not going to be pretty. That's the kind of person I want with me. 
When I'm going through a trial, when I'm at the hospital, when I don't know what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go, I want somebody who says, Bob, I'm a little worried about what's going on with you. Eat a little bit of something. Get a little bit of rest. Do what you need to do. But you need to know one thing. I'm going to be here with you through this whole thing. That's what Karen has agreed to do with me for all these 50 years. I'll be there. And I'll say, no, 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 it's not necessary. You don't need to come. How many of you have dealt with this? You know, and I can't beat her off with a stick. And I'll tell the doctor, tell her she needs to go home. No, I'm not going to do that. She knows better than that. Why? Because he knows the relationship we have. But there are times when she's not there. And Jesus gives me a reminder, and that is, I am here. That's what he tells us. I am here. I'll not leave you. I'll not forsake you. You may not know where you're going to go. You may not know how you're going to end up. But I love you. And there's nothing that's ever going to separate my love for you from me. Take a look at your life this morning. Do you find yourself talking more with the world, looking for the answers that are yours? Are you going along with with the way everybody else is going? Are you trying to fix the boat yourself? Christ calls us to trust him with everything. That's what Paul did. And all that, oh, I won't tell you. I was about to tell you a really good story that comes from the rest. Read the rest of that book of Acts and see what happens to Paul when they finally hit the shore. It's just a reminder. (laughs) It's just a reminder that God is in control of our lives and loves us dearly, and he'll carry us through all kinds of circumstances. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this day for the gift of love that you've shared with us through your son. The world would help us, make it easy for us to drift away, that we'd end up in places that we know we're not supposed to be, doing things that we're not supposed to do, living a life that you don't intend for us to live. But Father, you call us to you, and you remind us of the hope that is ours in you. Because our relationship with you is not about what we do, but about what you've done and that you've given your one and only Son to die for us, that we might live forever with you. What a blessing that is. And help us never to neglect that relationship. And help us to always look to you, Father, as the source of every decision that we make, of every choice that is ours, and every word that we speak, that would all give glory to you through your Son, Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.